That's what makes us tough. We keep a coming. We're the people that live. They can't wipe us out. They can't lick us. The change has started, and the change in Detroit is real. We're back! Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Detroit, Michigan! Here, you can actually see what you do affect a great American city, and it's, it's hopefully historical comeback. Welcome into Opportunity Detroit. Hi, this is Paul W. Smith. Joined today by Melanie Markowitz, Executive Director, Greektown Neighborhood Partnership. Chris Mueller, lead author of Good Deeds, University of Michigan. And finally, James Chapman is back with us, founder and CEO of Plainsight. It's all about opportunity, Detroit, and it's all right now. Detroit, Michigan. As we continue on Opportunity Detroit, Melanie Markowitz has over a decade of project management and community engagement experience specializing in urban planning, real estate development, historic preservation, connectivity, and public policy. Uh, Melanie is the executive director of the Greektown Neighborhood Partnership, ushering in the next phase of development in Greektown. Greektown Detroit, of course, by launching a number of initiatives related to public space, vertical development, programming and events, arts, culture, heritage, mobility. She is the former department executive for the Wayne County Economic Development Corporation, where she provided strategic direction and oversight for countywide urban planning and development programs on both the local and regional scale. Prior to that, she served as the city planner for Hamtramck, past president of the nonprofit Preservation Detroit, consultant to the Michigan Historic Preservation Network, and project manager for the Savannah College of Art and Design in Hong Kong. How do you have time to come on this program? That's what I want to know, Melanie. <laughs> uh, making the time, making it work. Well, we never dull moment, teacher. I would guess not with all the things you've done and are currently doing. Now, tell me about the Greektown Neighborhood Partnership. Uh, Greektown Neighborhood Partnership is a nonprofit organization. We're a community development organization for the Greektown neighborhood. And uh, our organization has been uh, through, through several phases. We actually started as a merchant association in 1903. Uh, certainly a lot has changed since that time, uh, but uh, we're now a full-fledged community development organization. So we're focusing on urban planning and development, uh, community events, um, and our organization is kind of really ushering in the next phase of development in Greektown, working with business and property owners, our partners, Downtown Detroit Partnership, uh, City of Detroit, Michigan Department of Transportation, uh, so many partners to uh, bring a, a neighborhood forward in the changing landscape of downtown. Well, what I can see here is that partnerships are a very big and important part of what you're doing in the Greektown area. And uh, and I'm certain that uh, the Greektown neighborhood is prepared for all that's going on. Because, it, it, let's face it, the landscape in Greektown is absolutely changing. Yeah, that's exactly right, Paul. Uh, our, our, our neighborhood is proactively prepared for that change. Uh, in September of 2019, we publicly released a, uh, a framework plan for our neighborhood. Pretty much a, it's a shared vision for the future of the Greektown District, uh, recognizing these changes in the landscape with not only business, of course, uh, but also development and changing infrastructure and pace. 
Uh, our community actually planned for that future by coming up with this framework plan. It was a, a plan for the future, community-led, community-funded, and we focused on a, a few key categories in that framework plan, uh, all the way from the quality of the public realm to neighborhood experience, of course, culture and history in Greektown, uh, the development opportunities in the future, and mobility and parking. And what we did by taking a look at all those different areas is we uh, came up with some design strategies and programs for connecting our neighborhood to uh, the downtown core, the surrounding neighborhoods like Eastern Market and Lafayette Park and Brush Park, uh, increasing the built density and activation in the district, and then kind of connecting it through activated public spaces, public parks, uh, trail systems, uh, bicycle infrastructure, and creating a mixed-use neighborhood that has a diversity of uses. When when you put together a diverse group of people, which you have, and you have a, a framework vision, and obviously part of that is to, uh, a very important part of it is to unite the neighborhood, uh, did you did everybody see eye to eye or did you have to bridge some gaps or how did that all go? You know, one of the things that I love about community engagement and in any environment is it, it's always advantageous to have a variety of different personalities. When you bring together people who have, you know, differing opinions, different ideas, different businesses, you're always going to come out with the best ideas because these, these differing opinions make uh, what comes forward stronger, more supported when it's community-led. And you get to question each other. It's a dialogue and a conversation. So coming up with uh, how we wanted to point our neighborhood forward certainly was not easy. It was a challenge. It took partnership. It took patience. Um, and it's you know a continuing conversation about how we move forward together as a community. Um, and, and you know all kinds of personalities are the most important part of that. Melanie Markowitz is executive director of Greektown Neighborhood Partnership, doing a lot of good work. I, I suspect there must have been some key categories you focused on. Uh, absolutely. The key categories that we focused on, you know, you know, when we're looking at public space downtown, there's a variety of parks. So, you know, we absolutely looked at how we're using public space in Greektown and identified five new public spaces in the Greektown district to really kind of connect it to the downtown you know, we together all the public spaces in the downtown core, along with the other parks, such as Kansas Marshes and Capitol Park. Uh, we looked at how the businesses are, are interacting with that streetscape in, in future parks. Uh, we looked at, you know, all the different types of development. You know, a lot of our northern parcels, for example, are, um, you know, in the form of surface parking lots or, or vacant land. So we've actively looked at, you know, how we need to rezone that, uh, what kind of building uses um, and heights are going to go on there. And we've been working with a variety of partners to, to work on development um, for that vacant land uh, for our future, create that you know density and activity that we so so need in Greektown. Millie, what major development projects in Greektown are underway now? Uh, Greektown is going to look like a, a different and uh, different place in, in five to ten years. Uh, we have so much going on. Um, certainly, the Detroit Center for Innovation um, that was announced about a, a year and a half ago. Um, on the, uh, the former jail site, this is a 14-acre site. This is going to be a, a major research, education, innovation center um, operated by the University of Michigan. Uh, it'll have, like, incubator and startups, uh, residential units, hotel, conference center, event space. Um, and this is going to be on, on Gratiot and uh, kind of where you have I-375. This is the northern part of Greektown. Um, so weaving that together into the environment with a lot of 
other developments on the way, um, you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, change in our environment. We also excitingly are breaking ground next month on a new 16-story residential tower called the Exchange. Um, this is also going to be on Gratiot, more towards uh, Randolph and Gratiot. We're very excited for this new tower and the introduction of residents to our neighborhood for the first time in decades. Uh, our organization, Greektown Neighborhood Partnership, is also spearheading uh, design of a new public park. Um, it's going to be a plaza at Gratiot and Randolph. Uh, the city of Detroit brought this up to grade last year, and now we're working on the design phase um, for that program. And I certainly can tell you a little bit more about that. That's the first public park that we're developing. Uh, and then we also have, you know, in the background, uh, and certainly not in the background for long, the I-375 Improvement Project. This is a, a project a long time coming. Uh, I-375 is going to be brought up to grade uh, to an at-grade boulevard. Um, so it's going to connect neighborhoods um, and certainly the Greektown district uh, with Lafayette Park, Eastern Markets, um, and, and downtown in some pretty dynamic ways. So you're going to have kind of a new I-375, um, you know, is going to go away. Uh, we're going to have a boulevard, and uh, 75 will just go right on through downtown. Hmm. Uh, and then, of course, along with that, we are also working on kicking off some uh, community engagement and development planning for a streetscape improvement program along the entire length of Monroe Street, uh, certainly the heartbeat of uh, Greektown, Detroit. So with this new public park and all that you've just discussed, would you say, Melanie, you'd be open to input from people at GreektownDetroit.org? We, we invite and welcome input uh, at all times, uh, certainly, you know, on our website, uh, shoot me an email, always feel free to give me a call. Um, as I said, we're in the middle of uh, designing a new public park for downtown, and community engagement has been uh, a huge part of that. Uh, we received a uh, grant, uh, the Ralph C. Whistland Jr. Legacy Funds for Design and Access, uh, from the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan. Oh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, but essentially, uh, we're, we're designing a new public park, and we really want it to be for Detroiters and uh, about Detroiters, a gateway to Greektown, if you will. And what's different about developing this new public park is, you know, we certainly have community engagement, and that, that's, you know, fairly standard. But what we really want to focus on is cultural and heritage um, of the Greektown district in downtown in this new public space in some pretty creative ways. So, you know, we're talking uh, public art, uh, sculpture, you know, innovative programming and ways to kind of explore all the different types of heritage in this district. Uh, we held, a, a, you know, a public community meeting about a week and a half ago uh, on Facebook Live. You can certainly watch it on there. But we're taking, you know, we want community input to define this public space for Detroiters. Melanie Markowitz, Executive Director, Greektown Neighborhood Partnership. Certainly several new businesses starting in Greektown, several major renovations of existing businesses. Uh, and, and there's COVID-19 that's impacting business everywhere. Can you tell me how uh, the Greektown small businesses, new and old, have fared? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like everybody, uh, the impact of COVID-19 and the pandemic has been devastating on small business owners. And uh, Greektown, as part of the Central Business District, has the highest concentration of small business owners uh, in Detroit. And so, you know, they've been impacted just like everybody else. You know, they've had to, you know, shut down, reopen, um, you know, all the things that we're having to do um, and adjusting business models, um, you know, to do that. But one of the things that has come out of this that is just I'm so proud of our community you know, normally, you know, a shutdown means, you know, devastating for business. 
But the Greek Town District made lemonade out of lemons. Uh, they're like, well, uh, if we have to be closed, we're going to do a complete remodel of our interior. We're going to think our rethink our business model. We're going to rethink our menu. And we have some major renovations of existing businesses in the district. And we also have three new businesses that are um, either opened or about to open. So I, I want to tell you a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so Golden Fleece Restaurant, which is the oldest operating restaurant in Greektown, over 50 years, um, some great euros to be sure, they took the opportunity to completely uh, rehabilitate their interior space. It's modern, uh, modern Greek. There's plants. They have vegan and vegetarian. It's, it's absolutely stunning in there. They're also soon to open a new um, Greek uh, grocer, Greek wine bar, cocktail bar, and they're also going to have some late-night Greek meza. It's a place called the Calicon. It is right next door to Golden Fleece, and they're going to be opening uh, opening this month. And uh, the space is absolutely brilliant. I can't I can't wait to sit there and have a nice glass of Greek wine. Uh, also down the street, above Red Smoke Barbecue, we have a new cocktail lounge called the Pig's Tail. Uh, it's a second-floor cocktail lounge and also rooftop space. It's planning to open uh, in time for opening day on uh, April 1st. Mm. Uh, really breathtaking views. They're specializing in all types of bourbon and whiskey. Uh, they just built out the space. They took the time during the pandemic to, to do this, um, you know, because everybody was closed. Um, it was the one time where you could take your space since you were shut down and remodel. Um, likewise, the Seamame Suite Hotel did exactly that, too. Their whole lobby is completely brand new, bringing in modern Greek flourishes. And they've also opened a new bar and restaurant concept called The Lobby, aptly named, located in the lobby of the Seamame Suite Hotel. Um, it's absolutely splendid. It has an American and a Greek-inspired fare, but the interior... What, what's really kind of neat about, you know, the Greektown District, not only did they take this opportunity to, to rethink the future of how we're moving forward in business, open up new restaurants and bars and renovate, but they thought about bringing in just modern Greek, keeping with that culture and identity of our district, but changing for the future. I tell you what, it's almost overwhelming. It's certainly exciting. You can get more information at GreektownDetroit.org or all the other social media platforms, GreektownDetroit.org. And we've been hearing about it from the Greektown Neighborhood Partnership Director, the Executive Director, Melanie A. Markowitz. Thanks, Melanie. It sounds exciting. Thank you. As we continue on Opportunity Detroit. As we continue on Opportunity Detroit, happy to welcome in a lecturer at the Ross School of Business. If you listen to my morning show, you heard me uh, gushing all over with pride that our Sophia Marie Smith, my little girl Sophie, who just turned 18, has been accepted at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor and into the Ross School of Business. So when I found that our guest today is a lecturer at the Ross School of Business, where he leads a capstone program where organizations engage a team of undergrad student consultants to advise on a pressing strategic issue. He's also the faculty director of the Detroit Neighborhood Entrepreneurs Projects plus Impact Studio for Local Business, where student interns help Detroit-based small businesses implement projects related to digital marketing, e-commerce, procurement, customer relationships, and access to capital. And he is also a real estate investor who has renovated and sold a dozen houses in the Detroit market. And he is the lead author of Good Deeds, 
an analysis of the Rehabbed and Ready program, which was just published this past week or so. Lead author of Good Deeds and University of Michigan uh, lecturer at the Ross School, Chris Muller. Or is it Chris Mueller? It is Chris Mueller. Thank you, Paul. And congratulations to Sophie. I hope to uh, have the privilege of having her in some of my courses in the years to come. I will tell her to look you up, Chris Mueller. I will do that <laughs> indeed. So this is all good news. We're hearing so many great things about Rehabbed and Ready. Uh, and uh, from your uh, perspective, which is very special because you've done it, you've rehabbed. You've sold a dozen rehabbed houses in the city of Detroit. Give us your story. Tell me about yourself and your background. Well, um, I, uh, I graduated from the University of Michigan with an MBA and a dual degree in public policy and have been really interested at this intersection of how, uh, how markets work and how markets can work um, to support our society and what happens when those markets fail and uh, the impact that that has on the society. And so how we balance market-driven interventions and when we need uh, when we need interventions to help get the market moving again. And so after I graduated, I did uh, a series of consulting, um, largely around entrepreneurship and those kinds of um, innovation-driven um, opportunities within the nonprofit sector, within the social sector. And that led me into the opportunity to eventually start a social enterprise that you just described, trying to work on um, work on concentrated investments into neighborhoods in renovating houses that would help reestablish markets in those neighborhoods. Um, and all that in conjunction with being able to teach at U of M led me to the opportunity to, to write this study about what Rehabbed and Ready has been doing uh, and, and try to share the, the good news that came out of the report. You know, I, I don't, maybe people, many younger people don't, Understand when I say Catch-22. That film was a long time ago. Uh, that book was a long time ago. You do understand. It was even, right? was even er earlier than that, yes. All right. <laughs> well, yes, earlier than that. But it's been kind of a Catch-22 in the city of Detroit, The kind of the problem with Detroit's residential real estate market. And you talk about it in Chapter 1, uh, it, the inability to appraise the value of move-in-ready homes has crippled the mortgage market. They need comps it's pretty pretty right. definite they need comparisons and there haven't been any comps or comparisons available in the city of detroit for a long time right right yeah so basic basic market uh what an efficient market means is when there are buyers competing for something so if we go to eastern market we can determine that a fair price for a pizza is maybe 14 dollars because there's lots of people available who are willing to pay 14 dollars for that pizza and if they're not then they'll go a few stalls down and they'll buy one for 12 dollars and it'll establish that's the price but in it, uh in the mortgage market banks determine what the value of a house is that they're willing to give a loan towards by comparing it to other houses, similar houses in the neighborhood. 
And what the study shows is we took a look at the Bagley neighborhood. And in 2005, if you wanted to buy a three-bedroom, one-and-a-half bathroom colonial house, there were plenty of comparables that it sold in kind of the $120,000, $130,000, $140,000 range. And so it was relatively easy to establish that something in the price range would be fair market value for that home. Banks would be willing to give a mortgage. All is good. Uh, a few years later, 2008, what we saw is there were still a couple of those fully renovated move-in ready houses selling in kind of the 120, 130 range. But there were also, oh, we're starting to see a lot more houses that start to hit the market selling in kind of the 15 to $20,000 range. And that's that flood of foreclosures that we've heard so much about and uh, that story that we're familiar with. But by 2010, there are no fully renovated houses on the market. There are only distressed houses sold on the market, all bought with cash. And so there is no comparable for a bank to understand how to value a fully renovated move-in ready house. And we see the collapse of the mortgage market. And the significance of that is because it pulls most of us can afford to buy a pizza with the cash that we have on hand. Most of us cannot afford to buy a house with what we have in our savings accounts. We're right. dependent upon having banks being willing to give loans in order for there to be competition for those houses. So when the mortgage industry collapses, it pulls all the buyers out of the market. And what that meant is that not only did Detroit have an influx of foreclosures like we saw throughout the country, but we also saw the buyers get pulled out of the market. So even when the foreclosures make their way through the market and, and that supply of distressed houses stabilizes, we still have a demand problem because without the presence of mortgage-backed buyers, there's no competition for houses. And so the prices in Detroit to your catch-22 have stayed low longer and the recovery has been slower because we had to be able to restart the mortgage engine and do that by rebuilding comparable sales comps of fully renovated houses. And this is why, uh, Chris, that, that, that it seems at least that Detroit has taken longer to recover than other cities? It, it is, uh, because everywhere else we had... A, supp a supply issue, a supply of foreclosed houses, but within a year or two, those largely moved their way through the market. And in other cities where we saw a decline in values of maybe 10 or 15%, within a couple of years that had stabilized and recovered. But here in Detroit, because the demand issue of buyers being able to find access to mortgages and banks having confidence to lend um, in, in Detroit's neighborhoods, um, that's that's what's kept the prices lower. Chris Mueller, for an extended period of time. Chris Mueller is lead author of Good Deeds, an analysis of the rehabbed and ready program for Detroit. I said by way of introduction that you were a real estate investor who has renovated and sold a dozen houses in the Detroit market. I would presume you continue to do that, and it's still a good business. Well, it's been a challenging it's been a challenging business, frankly, uh, because of all the reasons that the the issue the um, you might fix up a house you might p fix up a house very nicely and make it a good opportunity for someone, but you're still not going to get uh, 
a quick uh, approval on a mortgage it, because of this problem. Well, it's it, you know for in, for private investors like me, maybe maybe with this to to tell the story, it's really hard to make a profit because uh, because of the limited number of mortgages and the limited number number of mortgage-backed buyers, the buyers really have all the power in Detroit, not the sellers. So what what Rehab and Ready has done to address that is that the land bank is fixing up, is doing the job that private investors can't can't really do. They're fixing up fully renovated houses, um, often spending in excess of $100,000 into the renovation, and then selling the house at a loss. And I, as a private investor, can't afford to do Obviously, that. Obviously, yeah. But they, they can, the land bank can, because uh, the Rocket Community Fund has agreed to back fund any loss. So what a private investor can't do, the Rehabbed and Ready can do, is renovate houses, do them strategically in clusters, and know that they're likely to take a loss in the process. But by doing that and having the philanthropic funding to do so, they create a cluster of these comparable sales of fully renovated houses that gradually establish what the value of a fully renovated move-in house is in the neighborhood. And when you get maybe six or eight of those comparables in a neighborhood, well, now other private investors like myself and other companies would, might be willing to now start investing into that neighborhood and now building more and more of those comparable uh, move-in ready houses. And as that happens, now banks start to see, okay, now we can identify what a fair market value is for the, these houses, and they start lending. And now we've got, we've reversed what was once a vicious cycle into a virtuous cycle where one house sale starts to build on the next, starts to build on the next. And as we establish those market values, it ends up uncapping the values for all the residents in that neighborhood who have been living there taking care of their homes but not being able to benefit from the equity of those homes. So now not only are houses buying and selling, but if somebody wants to take out a home equity line of credit to help do a, a renovation or to refinance their homes so that they can um, do whatever they want to do with that refinancing to manage their, their personal finances or to make investments in something, um, they have the ability to do that because the banks can now establish what the values are within the neighborhood again. Great explanation of Rehabbed and Ready. We appreciate it. And after all, it's from the guy who is the lead author of the book, Good Deeds, an analysis of the Rehabbed and Ready program. That book readily available everywhere? So it's 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 actually it's a it's a case study. It is available through um, the Rocket Community Fund website. Uh, and why don't I make sure, since I don't have a URL handy, why don't I make sure I send that to you immediately afterwards so that listeners of the podcast can uh, can follow up with the link. We'll, uh, we'll get that out there as quickly as we can. We appreciate uh, your efforts. We'll have uh, young Sophie look you up at the Ross School of Business. And uh, good. I'm, sure we'll, I'm sure we'll talk again. Thank you, Chris. Right. Thanks, Paul. All right. Chris Mueller. Thank you. Chris Mueller, lead author of Good Deeds, University of Michigan uh, at the Ross School of Business and also on the front line as a real estate investor in the city of Detroit and the things that you will face if that's what you would like to do. And eventually we need that, of course, to turn things around. There's a lot going on here and we've got it for you on Opportunity Detroit. Finally, an opportunity. 
Right? It's James Chapman, founder and CEO of Plainsight. You remember James Chapman is the founder and CEO of Plainsight, but the Detroit-based serial entrepreneur has a passion for helping other budding entrepreneurs. This has been evident throughout his business career over the years. He moved to Detroit for the opportunity to work with Rock Ventures, of course, the holding company for Dan Gilbert's portfolio of companies, investments, and real estate. We all know that. Where, in fact, James helped local entrepreneurs start, grow, and scale their businesses. He realized how important it was to provide startups throughout the city, access to founder-friendly capital, which led him to launch the first ever very, very important Detroit Demo Day. His focus is now providing access and connections and human capital. James Chapman, welcome back to Opportunity Detroit. Paul, thanks again for having me. It's, it's so glad to have a conversation with you always, and I hope you've been well since we last spoke. Absolutely, and I hope the same for you. Tell us about uh, Plain Sight and, and how you've been in this. It was uh, last year that we had you on the show. Uh, yeah. how's, how's everything been going? What's going on with Plain Sight? And explain to people who didn't hear the first conversation a year ago what Plain Sight yeah. is all about. Yeah, so, so Plain Sight, we are a mobile app for connecting like-minded people in shared spaces. And uh, pre-pandemic, uh, those shared spaces look like coffee shops and co-working spaces and networking events, helping people be more intentional about who they connect with when in those spaces. Uh, we've definitely had a lot of ups and downs uh, due to the pandemic and these spaces often closing and opening and closing and opening and, and haven't you know, had any attraction around events, of course, because of the pandemic, you know, events have been uh, put, put to bed. But uh, we're very optimistic about what we have uh, in front of us for the year of 2021 as the vaccine is out and people are getting back out and spaces are opening and even maybe um, some, some conversations around helping folks with events again once they want to start getting back out into that. So high level, that's what Plainside is and does. Uh, and that's kind of what we've been doing uh, throughout throughout the past year. Well, it, it makes good sense. And frankly, with the pandemic, it became even more important, the impact for you with the, with the pandemic. But showing the skills and the interests, having them surround you and helping us build thoughtful connections no matter where you are, it shows how very important that is. The mobile app showing you <laughs> virtual spaces to check in from anywhere, or physical spaces in the area to check in. And the Plainsight app is, as I understand it, free for users to download. Absolutely. Free for users to download. Building community and connecting with like-minded people is more important than ever, as you mentioned. Um, it can be very lonely during this time. And so we really wanted to provide value by allowing people to, uh, if they want to get out to some physical spaces that we have listed, get out in a safe and secure way. We show you the clean and safety precautions of those spaces before you go. Uh, and then we also do matchmaking. So once you fill out your profile and tell us the type of people you're looking for, we do our best to connect you with those folks within the community. How, how do you handle the social distancing under the conditions? 
Nah, that's tough. It's tough. So I I would say we, we put that on the spaces. So the spaces can list their own social distancing rules. Uh, one of the things that we've been seeing is people listing floor plans. So the space will list the floor plans of where they want you to sit or stand once you go into their space. And we, we reveal that to the user ahead of time. Now, I also hear we're spending a little time uh, with James Chapman, founder and CEO of Plainsight, that you have a crowdfunding campaign going on. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So, you know, to date, our users have been the ones that's helped us make it through this pandemic and stay alive. And so as we continue to grow and start to get back to what we once were and pick up some of that momentum, we want to give uh, the everyday person the ability to invest in plain sight uh, and be a part of that journey and have some ownership over over the platform. And so right now we're at about 7,500 active users on our platform. And so any of those users as well as anybody else can invest in Plainsight, own a share, own a piece of Plainsight with a, an investment as minimum as $100. Really? How does that work? Yeah, so it's done through a platform called Republic. Um, crowdfunding uh, for private and tech companies has become very popular, and I think even more so during the pandemic because it can be harder to connect with investors, right, when you can't actually get out and meet with them. Uh, and so if you go on the Republic app, our, our site is republic.co backslash plain dash site. Uh, you'll be able to see our page, and you can literally just put in your information of how much you want to invest. You invest uh, along the terms, uh, and then you now own a piece of plain site. And then how can new businesses and individuals get involved? Absolutely. So any anybody who wants to get involved with us, they can just go to our website, plainsight.app. Um, and if you want to list a business on the platform, um, you just click on Shared Spaces and you submit your, your application for the business. And if individuals want to get involved and, and download the app, uh, just search Plain Sight in your app store, and we're, we're the first thing that comes up. And then uh, this had to be, uh, uh, I guess there's no other way to put it, certainly an honor, a, sh a shot in the arm, a boost. Um, mm. You were app of the day. But I, I, I mean, I know it sounds good, but I'm not exactly sure what that means. And uh, certainly it must be important. Yeah, it was. So we were honored. Uh, we were Apple's app of the day. So every day... Apple uh, features one of the apps that they have, the millions upon millions of apps that they have. Uh, they feature one app every day. Uh, and we were featured as Apple's app of the day. We were selected. Uh, we've been actually talking to Apple since October, and they've been interviewing us and making sure that everything is up to par with the app. Uh, and then a few weeks ago, they, they listed us as, as Apple app of the day. So just to be recognized by Apple for all of the hard work that we put in and the value that we have to provide has been a real honor. Yeah, that's a, you're right. There's a gazillion apps. So uh, <laughs> the chances of being picked are slim to none unless you really are making the right kind of noise out there. And obviously, uh, uh, Plain Sight is doing just that. James uh, Chapman, founder and CEO of Plain Sight. And you can get more information at plainsight.app forward slash and uh, get that information. So that is important. That had to help you uh, immensely, didn't it? 
It did. And and I think, you know, when you're such a young and early startup, that validation really goes a long way. So now as we're talking to potential people who want to list their businesses on our app or even everyday people who want to invest or who want to download and use the app, uh, letting them know that we were featured as Apple's app of the day, definitely uh, it it goes a long way. So we're we're really thankful for that for that opportunity. It's been a great boost and and definitely a a great badge that that we can wear um, and allow people to know that that we are a legitimate uh, we're a legitimate business. James, you've had a lot of blessings. Yeah, I have. Um, and, and, you know, I've needed every one of them, especially during this pandemic. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's been a, a lot of ups and downs, it, it, myself and, and everybody else, right? Uh, everybody has, has struggled with, with this. Uh, but we've been very blessed and very fortunate. Uh, and, you know, I try to contribute to us, you know, providing value and doing good things for others. And, and I believe that that usually comes back around. Um, your way whenever you do right by others and provide value to other people. So we're here for it, and and we're just trying to continue to show up every day. Well, good for you. Uh, How do you see Detroit as the tech hub of the Midwest? I think it really is. I I think Detroit is is primed for it. Um, Detroit has a lot of resilience. It has a lot of innovation. Um, It has a lot of people who uh, just have that ability to kind of figure it out despite the odds. Uh, And when you merge that with uh, smart people, emerging technology, uh, the type of capital that we have in in Detroit, thanks to a lot of our major players, uh, I I think Detroit is primed to be the the tech hub of the Midwest. And I'm really excited for us to get on the better side of COVID-19 so we can see more people collaborating and more people getting back to offices and things of that nature because – uh, I, I truly believe that, that that's something that Detroit will be able to hang its hat on. And I've been, I've been very blessed and fortunate to be able to grow my, my business, my tech business, uh, in the city of Detroit. And, and think of it, you're the guy that launched the first ever Detroit Demo Day. Did you ever realize just how powerful and important that would be? Uh, I, I'd be lying if I say if I say that I that I would right that I that I knew that that would happen. Um, Detroit Demo Day has made a huge impact on on so many businesses, tech businesses, storefront businesses, uh, retail, every you know everything across the gambit. And uh, we even found a way to be able to to do one during the pandemic, even though we couldn't do an in person live event and things of that nature, big blowout like we usually do. But I'm really proud of of the growth that I've been able to see with Demo Day and more so than that, the companies that's gone through Demo Day and been able to receive the funding and the capital that they need to take their ventures to the next level. We have featured a number of them here on Opportunity Detroit. And believe me, I can tell you uh, how instrumental you and Demo Days has been to so many entrepreneurs in and around uh, specifically the city of Detroit. It's been pretty uh, phenomenal. Last thoughts here. Anything you want to leave us with, uh, James? No, just just thank you for the opportunity to continue to share our, our story and give updates every now and again. Um, we really do appreciate it. Uh, if people want to find out more information, they can just go to our website. Um, just look us up in the App Store or online, and they'll find us. Uh, and we appreciate everyone who has uh, put us in this position to date. Uh, and if you want to own a piece of playing site um, and continue along with this journey with us, you have the ability to do so as well. And the plainsight.app, a good place to go. 
PlainSight.app is a great place to go, and you'll even see a banner at the top for people who want to invest. It's, it's right there. You'll be able to find that information as well. So that's the best place to go. All right. Let's not make it another year before we talk to you again. <laughs> Let's not do that. That's right. I, I promise to, to touch base with you again uh, before this year is out because I, I think we've got some even more exciting things to come our, our way and, and, and good partnerships ahead. So I uh, can't wait to, to tap back in with you and let you know what's going on with those. Excellent. We'll look forward to it. Thank you, James. James Chapman, founder and CEO of Plainsight. Well, Opportunity Detroit is dedicated to showcasing Detroit's gems and improving the region through thoughtful conversations with those committed to seeing Detroit's revitalization. We've just experienced that again with three very fine guests. I'm glad you were with us. I hope you'll join us again next time, and I hope you'll wake up with me Monday through Friday right here on News Talk 760 WJR and here for Opportunity Detroit. Go on out, make it a great rest of the day. Regards, Paul W. Smith.